evening. Alex, do you mind grabbing me a cup of water for me or a little bottle of water or something? Twenty-two. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate that. Amen. Let me find my way over there. It's better to be a dumb donkey than a disobedient diviner. And that's what we're going to be seeing tonight. His way is, what does the next say? Perfect. Perfect. His way is perfect. It's better to be a dumb donkey than a disobedient believer, uh, believer, diviner. Better to be a simple believer than a rebellious prophet. Balaam has gone on his journey to try to prevent the will of God. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to stop the will of God. God's will is to bless the people of Israel. But Balak, the king of Moab, has sent for Balaam to do what? Curse the people of Israel. And Balaam has been warned extensively and clearly that this is not the right way. God, in this case, will warn him again. Yet he will persist in his evil ways and he will continually try to fish out of God the answers that he wants to hear instead of humbly submitting to the plan and to the will of God. God is more pleased with the creature that acknowledges his creator than he is with a great prophet that disobeys his creator. We need to get in line with God. And you might think to yourself, well, and we're all guilty of doing this. We're all guilty of kind of getting on our high horse maybe and thinking to ourselves, well, I'm not doing anything real bad. I'm not doing anything, I think it's on. I'm not doing anything real bad. I'm not doing anything real evil. I'm, I'm being a good little boy. I'm being a good girl. You know, I'm not stealing. I'm not... Uh, living in perversion or anything like that, um, but all but understand that the position that Balaam is in, the position that Balaam is in at this point in the story, 
is that all he's really doing is disobeying God. All he's really doing is just not doing what God said to do. God said don't go, and he went. I mean, it's that simple, right? And God was going to kill him for it. (laughs) Think about that. God said don't go, and he went, and God was going to kill the guy for that. Not for some horrible sexual perversion. No, it was just God said don't go, but he said no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Tonight we're answering really the, uh, a question that sometimes gets answered. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say, would you rather be blind or deaf? Tonight I'm asking you this. I'm answering the question for you. Would you rather be blind or dumb? Blind or dumb. You know what dumb means, don't you? It doesn't mean you're stupid. It just means you can't speak. It means you can't talk. Uh, you're dumb. And I'd rather be dumb. All right, then blind. Because the prophet is blind and he doesn't see the angel of the Lord there standing about to kill him with a sword in his hand. You're in Numbers chapter number 22. Let's look at 22 verses 22 through 35 and let us see our story here this evening, what God has for us. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon an ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. The ass turned aside out of the way, and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. Now the idea behind the word smote here is not a light, gentle uh, tap with a, with a reed of, you know, a directional, uh, a directional tap, you know, left or right or go faster or slow down or anything like that. No, this is a, the idea of, the idea of her, him beating her, uh, beating this, this, this poor beast. And the Bible says in verse number 24, it says, But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. The angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's angle was kindled. And he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto the Balaam, What have I done unto thee? I don't know what an ass sounds like, you know what I mean? What, would, what a donkey sounds like, you know, when they start talking, you know? Do they sound like a donkey braying? I don't know. I'm not going to imitate that for you tonight, but uh, I'm just, my mind kind of thinks like this when I'm reading the scriptures. What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten these three, three, three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, um, he didn't say nations and enemies shall break their bones. He said, uh, because thou hast mocked me, I would there a sword in mine hand, for now I would kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I thine ass upon which thou hast ridden every year, every since I was since thine unto this day? And was I ever wont to do so unto thee? Even even the ass gets the best of Balaam, doesn't doesn't she? And uh, she has to humble Balaam. And the Bible says, and he said, Nay. 
Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head, and he fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I, have, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me and turned from me these three times. Unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I know, knew that, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. I'll be important in a minute. Thou not, do not know this. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that thou shalt speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the word. And we pray that the word would be our guide and our, our inspiration, if you will, tonight, God. May we heed to the word and obey God's word and listen to it. May, Father, we stay in the way. Father, we are prone to get out of the way. Lord, we're prone to step off the way. We're prone, Lord, to not remain in the way of God and the will of God and the Word of God. But God, may Your Word, like a headlight, shine forth and show us the way. May Your Word, may we be guided by Your Word. May it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May we see that your way is perfect. May we commit our way unto thee, O God. And may we, Lord, follow you in the right way and not our ways. Our ways are perverse and they're wrong. And I pray that, Father, we'll seek the wisdom of God and know the right way. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said at the beginning, we need to get in line with God. We need to get in line with God. And you do that by, we're seeing in this story here tonight, this particular, uh, our particular place where we're reading from here is, you see it in three different ways. See three different ways in which Balaam really got out of line with God, but how in which we can get in line with God. It all has to do with seeing. See, that was really what Balaam's problem was. He, he didn't see. He didn't see what he was doing. He was blinded. He was blinded to his actions. He was blinded to his ways. He was blinded to the angel that was standing in the way. He was blinded to the, uh, to the, uh, to the unusual response of his donkey. She said, have I, ever, have I ever acted like this before? I've never, I've always been an obedient servant to you. I've never done anything. He was blinded. He didn't see how unusual this was. He didn't see the angel there ready to stand there and to kill him. Didn't see any, he didn't see what he was going to go do was wrong. Didn't see any of these things. So if we're going to get in line with God, then we're going to have to see some particular things here this evening. We're going to have to see God's anger. See God's anger. He tells us in verse number 22, it says, uh, of chapter number 22, it says, and God's anger was kindled because he went. You know, God has a right to be angry with the wicked every day. He has a right to be that way. And God has a right to be angry with Balaam. 
And it seems a little bit unfair if you read over the rest of the story. If you went back and you went back to chapter 22, verse number 1 and read on down, it might seem a little unfair to us tonight to why God would be angry. I thought God said that He could go. I thought He gave Him permission to go. And it might seem that way for the Bible says in the second instance, whenever the men came to Balaam to try to coerce him to come and to curse the people of God, uh, he says in verse number 19, it says, now pray I tarry, uh, pray I, I pray you tarry ye also here this night that I may know what the Lord may say say unto me more. And God came unto Balaam at the night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee that thou shalt do. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. It might seem unfair. It seems like God gave him permission. Why would God be angry at him even though he told him he could go? Well, remember this. The first time God said, thou shalt not go. That's what he told him. He told him that just a few verses before this, and he looks right at Balaam in the same in a same kind of similar situation, and he tells Balaam, he says, "Thou shalt not go. Don't go, Balaam. You're not allowed to do this." The men come back to him again, and this time he goes to God again and asks God again, "Can I go? Can I go?" God has every right to be mad at Balaam. Matthew Henry wrote, The sin of sinners is not to be thought less provoking to God because he permits it. That's a good thought. The sin of sinners is not to be thought less provoking to God if he prevents it. We must not think that because God does not by his providence restrain men from sin, therefore he approves of it. That is not the case. Just because God does not restrain people from sin does not mean that God's hand of approval is upon sin or that He is not hateful towards sin and towards sinners. But He is angry with them. And nothing, He says, is more displeasing to God than the malicious designs against God's people. He that touches the apple of His eye, He will touch also with suffering and persecution himself. God, my friend, is angry with the wicked every day, the Bible says. Balaam, God had a right to be angry with him. And we need to see that God has a right to be angry with us. God has every right to do so. If we go out of the way of God. Why? Because, number one, Balaam rejected his conscience. He rejected his conscience. Why did he need to go to God and ask God if he should go and curse the people of God? I'll tell you why. It's simple. His conscience convicted him. His conscience convicted him. He knew that was wrong. He knew it was something that he should not do. The spirit of, the man, of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts, Proverbs 20 and verse number 27 says. Our conscience is something that we should always be listening to. If Balaam did not think this was wrong, then he would not have asked God to do so. Your conscience may or may not be more sensitive 
It may be more sensitive than more by when you're led of the Spirit of God more. Your conscience may be becoming more dull as you quench the Spirit. That's not the point I'm making tonight. The point I'm making is this, whether you're being led, whether you're full of Spirit, or whether you're quenching the Spirit, listen to your conscience. Listen to what it's saying. Listen to what it's trying to tell you. God gave us a conscience. That's one of the proofs of creation. That's one of the proofs of God. That people know what is right and wrong. What happens whenever we go against our conscience? We dull our conscience. And it gets weaker and weaker. Sometimes whenever uh, it gets weaker and weaker, we have to get that thing built back up, don't we? Get it built back up. I, I just don't watch TV or, or YouTube or anything like that for a week or so and then turn it back on. Turn it off for a month and then turn it back on and see what happens. You go, whoa, I didn't know they were showing that. What happens? We get desensitized. Listen to what your conscience is trying to say. Whatever your, your conscience is trying to lead you into right. It's trying to help you and say, no, that's wrong. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't say that. Don't do that. But Balaam did not only reject his conscience, but he also rejected the clear word of God. He rejected the clear commands of God. Thou shalt not go. That's pretty plain, right? 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 Okay, all right. I mean, the Ten Commandments are pretty plain. There's not really any wiggle room inside of those. Those Though the Pharisees and and the scribes tried to make some. There's not much wiggle room inside of those things. There's not much wiggle room in thou shalt not go. In fact, it's even more plain. Because... God does come to him the second time, and I read the verses to you, and he says this in verse number 20. And if we're not careful, Wesley points out this out in his, John Wesley points out this in his, in his commentary, and I thought it was very insightful. He said, we miss one little word, and it's the word if. He says, he says, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But notice in the very next verse, and Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass. The men never came and called him. The men never came and called him. In fact, he was prompt in his disobedience to God. The men did not come and bid him to go. And so he wakes wakes up early in the morning and goes after them. In fact, I know this is the case because in verses 22 and 23, we find that Balaam is only with himself and two other servants. The entourage has left. They are gone. God in His Spirit and His grace and in His providence sent them on ahead of Balaam to keep him away from these, uh, from these ungodly men. But yet Balaam in his prompt disobedience runs after them and speeds after them. And he even have the word of God on it. Jude 1, or excuse me, Jude 1 in verse number 11 says this, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and listen to it, and they have ran greedily. After the error of Balaam and perished in the gainsaying of Sor. That's why it says there was only him and two servants. And then at the end of it, it says, then he was with the princes of Moab in verse, verse number 35. He ran after it. 
He goes after it. See God's anger. See that God may be angry with us just for going out of the way. What are you running after today? Balaam was, uh, Balaam's story is a story of a man that's running after the almighty dollar. Covetousness. Really the whole entire message of Balaam is a message of covetousness. A message of going after the almighty dollar. Going and running after the gold. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10 says this, But they that will be rich will fall into temptation and a snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in perdition. For the love of money is the what? Root of all evil. Does it say that money is the root of all evil, uh, church? No. What is the root of all evil? The love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil, it says, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Proverbs 23, 5 says this, Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. God will be angry at us. We need to see this. Let us not think to ourselves, well, I am his child, or I have received Christ as Savior, or I have done this, or I am that, or I'm the pastor, or I am this person, or I've done this. God, God won't be angry at me. Better watch it. He's no respecter of persons. If we're clearly told what to do, but instead we chase after the reward that is of this world, going after money instead of God never pleases God. It's always upsetting to Him. It's always upsetting to Him. See God's anger. God is angry. God's anger was kindled because He went. Because He went after it. Are you going in a direction that you ought not to be going? Is your flesh trying to pull you in some way? That's trying to direct you in some direction? I've seen uh, folks make uh, moves. And uh, this is not directed at anybody in here. But I've seen folks make moves, uh, you know, across state or across country just because of one particular thing. Nothing else. Just because this is where I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to go. Listen, I'm just saying, where are we going? What are we doing? Are we listening to God? Are we having the ear to to the ground and listening to what God has to say? What does God want us to do? Listen to the clear commands of God. See God's anger. But also see God's mercy. Amen? Isn't it great that these two are coupled together? We have God's anger being kindled. He is fired up at Balaam, all right? He is mad, okay? But then, instead of just killing the dude, all right, what does he do? He stops him. And he allows the the donkey to run him into a wall and to run him off down through a field and to put him in a tight spot and to bow down low. He does all of these things. Why? Because he's a merciful God. God could have allowed that donkey to walk headlong into the way of the angel and Balaam would have been killed. God could have allowed that. He did that on another occasion, don't you remember? 
There was a prophet that was told to go one way, and yet he went to an older prophet's house, and the older prophet lied to him, and he said, no, 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 don't go that way, go this way. And he listened to the older prophet and didn't listen to God. And he said, here, here's my ass. Take him, saddle him up, and go, and go on about your way. And he went about his way, and he met a lion in the way. And the lion killed the prophet, the young prophet, and left the ass. You see, God does things in unusual and unique ways. He might be merciful in the case that he was with Balaam, or he might allow for his judgment to fall like he did on the younger prophet. There is no telling how God may react or respond in any given situation. All we can do and all we can hope for is this, is to stay in the plan and in the will and in the way of God. If God says go down 71, buddy, you better stay down. If he, I mean, I better say, if he says go 71 west, you better hit 71 west, my friend. You better not take 290 west. He say, well, it'll take me to the same place. You better not do it. I'm just telling you tonight. You say, you think the Spirit of God will speak to people like that? Maybe. He might do it. We've got to have our ears to the ground. We've got to be listening to God. We've got to say, God, what do you want me to do? I want to be in your way. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be submitted to you, God. Balaam would refuse to submit to God. It seems to me like listening to God is a big deal. Amen? God sending angels and lions to kill prophets that don't listen to them. Yet Balaam will not see the mercy of God. See, that's what I'm saying. He's blind. He doesn't see the anger of God. He doesn't see the mercy of God. He just keeps on going. He keeps on persisting. He keeps on going about the way that he's trying to do. It's truly, this is truly a horrible sin to not see the mercy of God. When God's trying to stop you from doing something wrong, when God goes to great lengths to prevent you from doing evil, and yet you still push forward, you're sinning against your own self, my friend. Your own self. Notice three times the donkey tries to prevent him from death. She turns out of the way into the field. She crushes his foot against a wall. She lays down and will not move. All of these are instances of God trying to get Balaam's attention, yet he would not listen. Instead, what is he? He's mad, right? He says, if I had a sword, if I, if I had left in such haste and left my sword back at my house, I'd have killed you by now, you know? Henry in his commentary writes, Thus those who willfully sin are running headlong into perdition and destruction are always angry at those that try to prevent their ruin. (laughs) How appropriate that is. When we're trying to do what's wrong and trying to do something evil and we're just just hell-bent on doing it, we're going to do it. Then we get mad at the people that try to stop us from doing it. You might be throwing a little temper tantrum. And your spouse goes, hey, we don't do that in front of the kids. Do you humble yourself and go, yeah, you're right. Or do you get mad? Most of the time we get mad. 
When somebody says, hey, just don't do that, that's not right. Does that, does that frustrate you? Does that kind of get you stirred up and get you mad? It ought to humble us, folks. God is trying to prevent you from ruin. He's trying to help us. Henry goes on to say, but it is common for those whose hearts are fully set on doing evil to push back violently and to break through all the difficulties which the providence of God lays in their way to give check to them and to stop them in their career. David Guzik writes in his commentary, the words of the prophet are a chilling reminder of what the wicked have often done to the true prophets of God that might hinder their evil ways. What Guzik and, say, and Henry are both saying is this. They're saying to do evil is saying that when we want to do evil, we'll do whatever it takes, who, and we don't care who stands in our way. We'll buy a ship ticket to Tarshish. We'll kill our brother like Cain. We'll rape our sister like, uh, like Amnon. And we'll even, might even kill one of our best men like David. Don't let anybody stand in our way. When God is trying to get your attention, that is His mercy. Okay? That's His mercy. Let's go back to our 71-290 illustration. If God told you to go down 71 west and you're going 290 east, and you get a flat tire, you better change the flat tire and turn around, amen? You better not change the flat tire and think, well, it's the will of God. You know, no, it's not the will of God. No, I'm just, I'm using, I know that's kind of silly to think about, but I'm just saying if God, if you know the way you're supposed to be going and God prevents it, he stops it. There's some of y'all in here right now, right now. And you know who I'm talking to. I'm not going to mention you by name. And you've been praying what God would have you to do. And God has put some obstacles up in your way for now. And you've said, you know what? I see God's, I see God's hand in this thing. And you've been obedient. God blesses that stuff, my friend. God blesses those things. Listen, Highway 71 ends sometimes. And 290, it ends also. All right? And God has us going this way for a little while and sometimes He has us take a detour and sometimes He has us take an exit. But I'm just telling you this, whatever it is that God has the plan for you right now, you better stay on that plan and stay in that way and do what God's told you to do. Are you married? Stay in the plan. Amen? Are you married? Are you doing something for the Lord right now? Stay in the plan. Stay in the plan. Don't get out of his plan. Don't get out of his way. Stay in the plan. If he hurts you, if God causes you to be late, if he puts your house in foreclosure, if he takes someone out of your life, he might be trying to say, hey, listen to me. Listen to me. Now, look at this. It's not enough that she does these three things to him. But notice next... And this is the story, this is the part of the story that gets all of us, right? She starts talking to him. That's been said a dozen times, but I think it just goes worthy to say it again. It's no small miracle that God would allow for a donkey to speak to Balaam. I mean, I believe the story wholeheartedly, okay? I'm not, I don't have any doubt, okay? If I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, okay? 
If I believe, as Doug oftentimes says, that God can create the worlds in seven literal days just by his word, you know what I mean? I can believe anything in here, okay? You get Genesis 1 down, you can got the rest is easy. All right? But what I'm saying here tonight is this. I ain't got no problem with the donkey speaking. All right? That's no short, small, short. But what, what's weird is that Balaam talks back to the donkey, right? And not only does he talk back to the donkey, he has an intelligible conversation with the donkey, you know? A debate. And he doesn't think it's weird. I was reading some commentary, some, you know, you know, you always got the real spiritual ones. Well, he was a prophet of God, you know, and he had seen these things before and he was not impressed by this speaking of the donkey. No, what it was, was that he was so fired up and hot-headed and mad that he didn't even recognize what was happening in front of him. He couldn't see the miracle of God. He was blinded. You see what I mean? This prophet is blind. He's blind. He is so angry that he becomes irrational and illogical. And anger will do that to anybody. Anger will drive you to insanity. In fact, 2 Peter 2.16 tells us that is why he spoke back to the donkey. is because he was anger in, in anger and in, rash, in, and in madness. For it says, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with the man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. He was irrational. He's not ever surprised that there's a donkey talking to him. Listen, God may send to you and to me some unusual circumstance in your life to get your attention. But if you're wrapped up in your anger or your sin or your way or your design or your plan or whatever it might be, then listen, even if your design fails, you will not listen to God. Your design will even fail to, you will even design, uh, you will fail to interpret God's unusual designs as being His way of protection and His answer to prayers. You'll press forward with your initiative and plans. Remember, Balaam was not peddling drugs to minors, all right? He wasn't worshiping Satan, he was just simply not listening to God. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of what? death our sins don't have to be big to be bad or to be judged heavily by God God is trying to be merciful to this prophet to get his attention and he will do that in the next verse but before we cut away to that last point let me just give this small excursus here it's better to be a faithful follower of God. It's better to be a simple donkey, if you will, than a perverse prophet. And I'll tell you why. Because this donkey, I believe, illustrates for us a very good picture of those that are just simple believers. Simple. They're simple in their obedience. The donkey doesn't do anything very mighty and high. It just runs away. Joseph did, was not, is not esteemed for his greatness. Joseph interprets a few dreams, but he doesn't do anything really miraculous per se. He's no Elijah or Elisha, no doubt about that. He's definitely no Moses or the apostles. 
But what do we praise Joseph for? When the time it was to do what is right, he did what was right. And for us, that's, and for, for, I should say, and for God, that's more astounding than being a prophet of God. Just doing what is right. Staying by the stuff. They don't need, you know, simple believers don't need extensive explanations of God's word. They don't need a Bible verse for every rule or command. They, they don't need a doctrinal dissertation for every teaching. Amen, you know what I'm saying? Whatever God says, abstain from all appearance of evil. Okay, well, what does that mean? And question it and have to do this and do that and find, figure out all the things that it means. No, what does that mean? It means abstain from all appearance of evil is what it means. That's what it means. They are not only only simple in their obedience, but they're sensitive to the direction of God. They listen to God. They're full of the Holy Ghost. They can sense when God is leading or not leading in a situation. And they can simply say to somebody that the Holy Spirit of God has not led me in that. The Spirit of God is not leading me that, that, that way. When an angel, when the angel of God, when the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ is standing in front of you with a sword in his hand, it's pretty much like, you know what, don't think I should go that way, you know? Don't think that's a good idea. They fear God. They're not afraid of God, per se, but they're, they, they, they can see his judgment. They can see God's wrath. They can see that, he is, that his wrath is reserved for those that go against his will. And they're just simply just not going to be willing to test or tempt God. Amen? It's not. I, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to toe the line. You know what I mean? I'm going to figure out where the line is. Have you ever been on a riverbank before that was sandy on one side and rocky on the other? If you're on the sandy side on the riverbank and you walk too close to the edge, is that you never know when that sand will sink out from underneath you and you'll just kind of go slipping on down about 50 or 60 feet down into that river. Better off to stay away from the edge. You never know when it's going to fall in. Stay back. Don't get close to sin. You don't have to. You don't have to get close to know what it's all about. The Word of God gives us enough instruction about it. The simple believer is always a thorn in the side to the unbeliever. They always go against their wills. They hate them. They cannot stand them. And they are also always a victim of the wrath of the unbeliever. Just like the donkey was to Balaam. See God's anger. See God's mercy. But finally, I want you to see tonight, see God's way. See it God's way. God reminds Balaam again that he's out of line. 
Finally, the prophet's eyes are opened in verse number 31. Whenever we read, then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. Isn't it amazing to you and to me that God still is going to judge Balaam though it was God that had closed Balaam's eyes? You say, why is that? He had closed his eyes because he had not been obedient to the light that he had already received. The light that he had received was, thou shalt not go. When he did not listen to that, God closed his eyes and would not open them until he decided to do so. Sometimes as a believer, you might get off into a place where you've disobeyed God and you need to go back a few steps. You're saying, man, I just don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm this and that. Now this is happening to me. What? Go back in your mind a few steps. Retrace your steps. You ever lost something, right? What do you do? You retrace your steps. You go back and you try to find, all right, I was here and I did this and I did this and I did that. I do that all the time. I lose my keys all the time. Can't keep track of my keys. I even got a spot for my keys. Still can't keep track of my keys, you know. But when I lose my keys, I always go back and say, where is it at? What did I do? Where did I go? Where is this? Where is that? Where is that? And then Meredith says, oh, I have them, Daddy. So, you know, you know that's... Retrace your steps. Have you lost your way? Go back a few steps. Go back a couple of days. See maybe where you lost it at. God is reminding Balaam that he's out of line. And he says to him in verse number 32, And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee because thy way is perverse before me. Out of line. And Jesus is here today to call attention to our out of line ways. The word perverse means out of line. It means out of step. It means to be out of the way. It does not have the idea of being perverted. That's not the idea. It is the idea of being out of the way. Do you ever try to go outside and go around your superiors at work? Then you're out of the way. You're out of line. Do you as a wife ever try to overstep the, your husband's authority? You're out of line. Do you ever try to get around the rules of your parents? You're out of line. Do you ever try to justify your obedience to God or your disobedience to God or to others? Do you ever try to justify that? You're out of line. You're out of the way. That's what you are. Balaam was walking in the wrong path. He should have never been where he was at in the first place. 
And there are plenty of, plenty of Christians and people that if they were honest, they would, tell, they would say that they knew that they were not in the right way. They, 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 they would say, I know I'm in the wrong relationship. I, I know that I shouldn't make that deal. That deal is the wrong plan for me. They shouldn't be living where they're at. Sadly, there are men that are called to the ministry and they know they should be in the ministry, but yet they refuse to do what God says to do. We can get so sidetracked from following God that we don't even know where God is anymore. Did you see what he says here? It's kind of the climax of the, of, the whole, of the whole story here tonight. For he says, And the ass saw me, in verse 33, and turned from me. Unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. And look at verse 34. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. You see, he's so blind that he doesn't even realize that he's doing wrong. Doesn't even see it. He can't see it. You know, it's, it's, I was thinking about this, is that there are churches and there are Christians out there today are people that claim to be Christians. They might be Christians. I'm not saying that they're not. What I'm saying is this. There are churches and there are Christians out there that are asking questions like, why shouldn't homosexuals be church members? Well, what really is wrong with transgenderism, right? What is really wrong with abortion? Is Jesus really the only way to heaven? You have so-called Christians and you have churches asking questions like this. Why? Because you've got others... You got people that did know something about God that have gotten so far away from God or haven't listened to the voice of God for so long that they can't even see if God is standing in front of them with a sword in their hand about to kill them. They can't even see it. And we need to be at a place in our lives where we can see God, where God stands at in the matters of all life and principle, everything. When you say, where does God stand? We don't need to be like Balaam, amen? This whole series of messages has been really a a, a negative series to say, we don't need to be like Balaam. We need to be the opposite of Balaam. That's been the encouragement side here. Stay away from Balaam's. Stay away from the attitude of Balaam. The attitude of Balaam is so prevalent that it's mentioned in Jude, 2 Peter, and also in the Revelation. An unusual character, if you think about it. Not all the characters that you find in the Old Testament are mentioned once in the New Testament, let alone three or four different times. But Balaam's attitude and Balaam's actions are so prevalent in our world today and in churches today and in Christians today that we've got to pay attention whenever we see it surfacing in our life. And it all starts with us just simply going out of the way. Going out of the way. God says this, and we say, well, I don't know about that. 
We need to be at a place where we can see where God stands on all matters of life. Everything. When important matters come up, marriage, where does God stand on marriage? I need to find that in God's Word. Where does, where does, God, where does God stand on creation and evolution? Right? We need to find that out. We need to be, we need to be solid on that. Where does, what are, where does God stand about heaven? Where does God stand about, uh, about male and female? Opposite sex. Where does God stand with it? Where does God stand with that? Right? Where does God stand on His Word? Where does God stand on these things? Listen, find your answers in the Word of God, not with the philosophies of man. Find it here. Find it here. We need to get away from trying to fish out a response, fish out the response that we want from God. That's what Balaam does in the end. He says to the Lord, he says, now therefore, if it displease thee. What does that even mean? If it displease thee. I mean, dude, there's an angel standing in front of you about to kill you. You know? Of course it displeases God what you're doing. God doesn't send angels to everybody trying to kill people all the time, okay? All right? That's not the way of God. That's not the way God does things normally. This is an unusual situation. Donkeys don't talk to everybody, okay? If it displeased thee, yes, it displeased. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that he just didn't kill him right then, you know? But the fact is, is that God's a merciful God. Don't try to fish out a response from God that you think is right or think is good. Don't try to get God on your side in your perverse way. No. He says, I will get me back again. I'll go back home. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee that thou shalt speak. We'll see more about Balaam. I don't know that he would have spoke the words of God if God didn't put him into a trance and made him speak the words of God. That he had him speak. That's besides the point to the message tonight. The point being in closing here is just that the angel of the Lord allowed him to go for his own judgment. For sooner or later, Balaam would be killed. And before he would be killed, he'd be made to look like a blubbering idiot. And his whole entire reputation is ruined and put to distress because he can't even speak for himself. And God's going to make him look like a fool. You want to go look like a fool? Then go look like a fool. And he does so. Balak is so hot and so mad at him by the end of it. We'll see. That he can't even stand to look at him anymore. No. Just obey God. It's better to be a dumb donkey 